Welcome to this episode of Blended, Blessed, and Always a Mess. I'm Eric. And I'm Angie. We are married with a ton of kids. We have six kids total. He has three and I have three. My name's Hallie and I love riding horses. I'm Lexi and I love agriculture. My name's Carter and I love eating. My name's Chase and I love lifting weights. My name's Summer and I love spending my parents' money. I'm Dane and I love baseball. Our show is about our blended, blessed, and always a mess life. And our hope is if you find yourself in the same situation we are in, that by sharing our story, all the fun, and all the mess, the challenges we are experiencing, it will give you some inspirations, laughs, and community, knowing you are not alone in this mess. We appreciate you spending time with us. Let's dive in. Welcome to this week's episode of Blended, Blessed, and Always a Mess, where this week I had to do some of the homework for once. That's fair. It's my turn. It's your turn. Yeah. I've pushed Eric on this topic for a while. I'm like, you have got to talk about what it means to be a strong dad, because Eric has such an ability for everyone to feel protected and to know that he has got our back. And we always talk about the timeline, but so this was before Hallie. Didn't mean all the kids love it. They don't necessarily love the protectiveness, strong kind of mindset of pushing them to do pushing things they them don't to want do. to do. Right. And I just don't think that as a society, we talk enough about what a strong dad looks like. And so I've kept telling them, like, you're going to, you need to talk about this. So now it's time yeah. because I need to take a break this week. She needed some time. Putting the content together. So I, I <laughs> stepped time up. time to shine. I stepped up. Shine your light. And hopefully it's good. But, you know, as we approach this, yes, so a lot of these things I was doing from a dad standpoint before everything happened with Hallie. But it's just more into more into the spotlight of magnification of everything that has to happen now as a husband and as a dad. And so some of the things I talk about are a little bit new since since Hallie passed, but basically talk about five different topics that I see that all husbands and dads should try to tackle to have a home where everyone feels safe and loved and protected and really that you're teaching your kids how to then do that in their own relationships. So I guess this is where you're like, you want to dive in? Let's dive in. Let's dive in. Okay. So the first thing actually is something that started because of Hallie passing, and that is pick up your Bible. And I get it. I've gone to church my whole life, but I didn't like to read my Bible. And it's like, we look at it as a chore. Like, oh, I have to read the Bible. Well, there's actually really good stories inside the Bible. And when we look at it more joyful and something that we get to do, it's a lot more fun to read. And so what I'm finding as I picked it up because obviously things are really hard and, and you tend to go to God and develop a relationship with God more so when it's hard than when everything's going good. And then you sometimes can pat yourself on the back instead of giving God praise and credit. So, you know, things have been hard and there's been, if you know me at all, I like things to be happening. I'm like very outgoing person, love going to all the different things. Well, there's been a lot of time over the last three months now where I've been in a quiet home. So when we don't have the kids, it's a really sad time for Angie. So we're in a completely kind of different relationship right now. We're learning what that looks like because, you know, she's grieving. I'm grieving and we grieve differently. And so my options, I didn't really know what my options were, right? My wife's sad. She just wants to sit in it. So I decided to pick up my Bible. And I think I've read it more in the last three months than probably the last 10 years combined. 
And I feel like for the first time, passages that I have read since I was a kid are starting to make sense. And and that Jesus taught in parables. And as I'm reading through Matthew and Mark, and he taught in parables because he, he says, like, when you understand the parable, that means you're close to me. When you start to understand the parable, you're figuring out what it means to be a Christian and to follow me. He didn't say Christian. They don't say that in the Bible, but you know what I'm saying. And so all of a sudden, different things are starting to jump off the page at me that I didn't get before. Like the parable of the farmer and the seeds, right? We've all heard this parable and God throws some some seed on the good soil and he throws some on the rocky soil. And it's just those little parables now that are starting to make more sense to me as to who I'm becoming and what I want to be as a dad and a husband. And so I just encourage you, if you, you can read your Bible on your phone, that's for some people, I still prefer my paper, big paper copy, but it also gives me peace. Uh, is what I'm finding. So when I'm anxious and I don't know what to do with Angie or I don't know what to do with our kids and I'm reading my Bible, I find that my relationship with God is deeper because it's like I'm reading with him is how it feels. And so I just feel a sense of peace when I do that. Now that what that does is it allows me to then come back into our marriage or our with our kids into our home and feel more safe and comfortable in my own skin to be able to lead in a proper way in our home. That makes sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. I So I'm more of a Bible on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, um, it's so interesting because, yeah, Eric's definitely reading his Bible a lot. You read it some before, some, too. but not like, yeah. But not like you are now. And, and like, for me... I also, I am, um, I like control, right? So like I want certainty and there is no certainty right now. And so for me, I'm clinging more to what are, what is in the Bible because I want to know what I'm supposed to do to get to see Hallie again. And I want to learn like as much as I can about where she is and what that's like. And so I think in, in the depths of darkness, that's, there is a guide out there. Yeah. You and just, you just have to read it and you're, you're so right. I mean, we look at it's it like it comes, it, but it's like it comes to a better understanding when you're in a position to be open to it Yeah. versus like you just truck through life and oh yeah, you know, you're, you know about it and you know some of the verses, but you're not drawn to it. What I'm going to say about. Obviously, the Bible is a beautiful story that intertwines thousands of years. But Jesus is very clear at the end. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through him, right? That's through him and with him. So our pastor, Shay, who's been a, a great friend and a mentor of mine for 14 years now, he told me a long time ago, he said, when it comes time to go to heaven, you just, I'm clinging, I'm clinging to Jesus because there's nothing I'm going to do here on earth that's good. I'm going to mess up way too many things, but I can get to heaven if I'm clinging to Jesus. Which again, go back to your Bible is what Jesus says. Like, I'm the way, the truth, the light. I'm the only way to get to my Father is through me, and that's that's it. Well, the other thing that's critical to that too is that he he set the path right, and we're supposed to follow him and mold ourselves after him. But that's also what it means to be a dad: is that you're you're setting the example. Actions are actually stronger than words, and so what you're modeling for our kids, they're seeing it and they're watching it. And so if they face tragedy and trauma and they go, they see us going towards a direction of like, we're leaning into our faith, faith like, please God help us. And prayer is a part of our every day. They may not love it right now, 
but you're setting the example, especially as a dad, especially as a dad to be strong versus like, you know, the mom ends up a lot of times the nurturer, right? But like the example, the foundation that gets laid out comes from the dad, I feel like. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a great segue into my second point. And I know right now dads listen are like, really? He's going to tell me to read the Bible. That's what, you know. But what I'm going to tell you next is that you have to completely die to yourself, which is what Jesus did for us, right? He died for all of us. And he, he died to self. And so that's, what does that mean? Yeah. So it's it, it means that I know, like before I already wanted to be a good dad, right? But now I just know you're in so much pain all the time. And so everything I do has to be you and kids first. Do I get it right all the time? No. I mean, even today, I didn't get it right 100% of the time. A little misstep. I have 10-minute misstep today, okay? But, but at the end of the day, I'm working so hard to put everybody else First, because I'm the dad, that's my job is to to show up for you, to show up for the kids and, and with your spouse. I mean, let's just call it that means like your 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 physical and emotional needs. I can't put those on Angie right now. She couldn't take that weight. We had that conversation early on in this because I know she was feeling like she was worried that she wasn't being a good wife. And I just had to say to her, you are my wife. I love you. I don't need anything from you right now. And that may be two, three years. I don't know how long that's going to be, but I don't need anything from you because I know as your husband that loves you, you can't give me anything right now. And so it would be selfish of me to even ask for anything. So I'm just wanting wanting to show up for you and support you in whatever you need, but make sure that you know that you can always come to me. I'll, I'll listen to you. I'll do anything, but you don't have to be anything for me because that is the last thing that you need right now. Because I see you still trying to be a mom as you go through all this pain. Um, you shouldn't have to take care of a grown ass man too. Right. <laughs> so, well, and, and, and I, sorry, I'm going to pause you for a second. Like that, what you just said there, I mean, I just, you could say it over and over and over. Right. So, because I don't, People need to hear that, right? Like there's seasons where just for your husband or the dad, right, to say that, that, hey, I don't, I'm putting your needs above my own and I'm just here for it. And you don't have to give me anything in return. It's so powerful because I know a lot of wives, a lot of moms, people pleasers, right? Like we naturally... We naturally put everybody's needs above our own. So it's so hard. Like, I think it doesn't come natural for guys, but it it comes natural for moms to put everybody's needs. So that is a heavy weight of going through this newly married, right? Two-year anniversary. Not quite two years, yeah. And having this blissful start to our marriage. And then just have the life just completely sucked out of me and then be like, oh, my God, I don't even feel like being a wife. You know what I mean? And so to have Eric say, I got you and I'm putting I'm going to go all in. I mean, you were all in it already, but I'm taking care of everything around the house. I'm, And you do work so hard and try so hard to show up for all of us. That's a marriage. Yeah. That's a marriage. When when you know that and you know the other person's going to catch you, because I've not always had that. 
yeah, you're stuck with me. I, I kind of like you. <laughs> and and so, but then but I the kids see that. So That's the, kids the other see, thing and is, I'm like watching the, the kids show up for you because they're seeing you in pain, and so they want to see how they can take care of you. Now that's good and it's bad because one, they're trying to do more than what they they can at some points, right? So then I have to make sure that I have the same conversations with them, right? What do you need? How can I help you right now? Like, what can I do? You know, we know that this is your mom loves you and you guys are still have, everyone has this great bond, but let me do the extra stuff right now so that your mom doesn't have to and, and help them grieve and help them, you know, go through the hard stuff. We've had this conversation even because kind of me and the kids, we were trying to hide our sadness for a while from Angie because she was so sad. We didn't want to make it worse when we were sad. Well, that really didn't work because then Angie kind of thought we were all doing better. And she was kind of the one left behind being miserable when really we were just kind of hiding it and doing it on our own. Again, as we've said, there's no roadmap for this. We're, we're doing the best we can, but there's some missteps along the way. And so we've had to have that conversation. Like, it's OK to be sad and to share your grief around Angie as a family. Well, yeah, it's a sidebar, but... I posted something on my story the other day around like, if you know someone that lost a loved one and you're thinking about them, tell them you're not going to remind them of something they lost. Cause believe me, that will never, never go away. Yeah. But I love to hear that someone's thinking about Hallie because you don't want them to be forgotten, but it's the same for our immediate family. Yeah. Like, I want to talk about Hallie. I want it to feel like she is still with us. And we had Eric's birthday this last weekend, went to dinner with the kids. And it's hard because when you're – I love when all of our kids were together. And then when they're all together now, we're missing you know – I mean, we always know she's not there, but it's so obvious and everybody feels it. So we brought we brought a picture I brought a picture of Hallie and we had her sitting on the table with us. You know, I want her to still feel like I want everybody to still feel like she's part of her family. So for them to try to hide their sadness almost made me feel like, oh, God, I'm the only one that's left jacked up here, you know. So we've corrected that (laughs) in the home. And I I would just say to you, I think you are right. Like women are more meant to nurture and men, that's harder. So the die to self thing as a dad, the second thing, that is hard as a husband and a dad. It's definitely been a harder transition for me. I didn't know I was so needy, uh, but I'm learning about it. But I'm learning about it. And I I think I told you that from day one. I don't think that's a surprise. (laughs) I feel like there's been progress made in that department over the last three months. So how do you then die to yourself? Point number three, but stay strong because it could be a really lonely place as a man, right? If you don't have a relationship that you had before with your wife because she's in mourning. So you're trying to take care of her, but your relationship's completely different. You're trying to take care of kids. That could be a lonely place for any any man in this world that we live in now. So for me, I am absolutely surrounded by an army of amazing Christian men. And those are relationships that I've built up over the last 10 to 14 years. And so I can call them, I can text them, I can meet with them at any time. And since Hallie's passed away, something I've tried to do is to at least meet with one guy or a group of guys once a week so that I can have real meaningful conversation to refill my cup. Because what happens is as you're doing this as a dad and a a husband, you know, it's emotionally and, and, and physically draining to be, you know, giving all the time. 
and not necessarily getting a whole lot back. And so where are you going to get that? Well, I'm finding that with my, my guys. And I don't mean just guys that you can go watch the game with. We do that. But like real meaningful conversation when I'm with them about what's going on in their life, what's going on in my life. If I'm struggling with anger, if I'm, I'm struggling with feeling sorry for myself, parenting situation, all the different things. And the same for them. I mean, we have real life conversations. We're not, we're not just shooting the shit and we're not just like talking over problems. We're actually talking in and through problems. And so what that does for me then is it refills my cup and allows me to come back home and to be that strong dad, strong husband that we need to make sure that that we keep this ship on course during a really difficult time. I have not crossed paths with another guy that has this network of strong men, to your point. Like, there's there's a lot of guys that have bunch of buddies and they go but, drinking all the time and it is what it is it is yeah that's what you're i not know covering anything you're not making each other better that way it could be fun i have nothing against it it's just not helping in a situation like this it's not helping work through challenges right but the thing that i feel like is different for you and what makes all of that work is that you're willing that was the th- main thing that attracted me to you is your willingness to be vulnerable and have real dialogue around emotions and what you're feeling. That's kind of rare, I feel like, in my sphere of people. <laughs> and so in order to have those connections with Christian dudes that are willing to hover around you and lift you up, you have to be willing to have the uncomfortable conversations. So I noticed you didn't have that in your notes. <laughs> Which part? The part about being vulnerable. Vulnerable, yeah. like, and and to be honest, there's a lot of people who want to bury that shit deep, and then you're never able to like work through it. And because you do that, you're able to bring that into our home and with our kids, and they don't love it. But I'm going to tell you, they know how to communicate their feelings. They're learning. They're learning that, oh, God, here comes Eric. Like, we're going to have this (laughs) uncomfortable conversation. And Hallie didn't like it. Oh, no, she didn't like it. She didn't like that part. We, we, I mean, she had that conversation. Like, I feel we go to lunch and you want to have these deep conversations. Well, yeah, yeah, I want to Uh know you and I want you to feel safe. Carson, Lexi's boyfriend, said at at dinner the other night, because we started doing Lynn Roush's tributes around birthdays last year after she was on our podcast. And so everyone was going around saying something about me the other night. I was beautiful. And I would just highly recommend you steal that as a family tradition. We absolutely love it. And we started videoing it. So now we forever have that. But on your kiddo's birthday or, you know, your birthday, have each person go around and say what they love about the other person. It's beautiful and amazing and something that you'll always treasure. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Well, yeah, but no, Lexi's boyfriend, Carson, said, he goes, Eric is able to have conversations with me that no one's ever had before that teach me things about life and they're uncomfortable topics that he makes makes normal. He normalizes uncomfortable conversations. I mean, that was a really big compliment. I don't think he's ever really said that it's to true. me. Maybe you it, have, but I, I, mean, I don't I just, think that... Kids love it, and I don't think that they're meant to love it. But when someone's willing to show up for you and connect with you at a different level, whether the other person enjoys it or not, 
it still allows for a connection. It still allows for growth. And they're going to know, hey, if I'm struggling with something, I may be embarrassed about it or whatever. I know I can go to Eric and I know I can have a real conversation with him. And I just encourage you as dads, it's going to be uncomfortable out of the gate. It's going to be uncomfortable with your wife. Like I try to pray with Angie from time to time. I'm not good at it, but I feel like it's my job to pray over her and us some mornings and some nights when we're laying in bed. That's real vulnerability in your marriage is when you can start to pray together out loud. I don't know if it's together. You listen. I mean, I listen. <laughs> but it's still, it's not comfortable it's, for me to do it. It is or it isn't? It's not. No. no. I mean, when you first started doing that, it, it felt like awkward. Like, oh God, am I supposed to say something back? Because I don't, I'm not a... We've talked about my prayer my prayer habits. They're like, dear God, please help me. And so when he does a long prayer, then it's like, I'll say amen. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I wait for. I That's wait for all the I amen. Got. It's usually like, wrap it up, yeah. loud mouth, wrap it up. <laughs> So that's super important as a dad. And so then that leads into the fourth point, which I I tried to show up for my kids beforehand, right? And let me just say that I wasn't always this way. Like I didn't always have a strong network of men. And even when I started to develop it, I wasn't fully transparent with those men. And you have to get to a point where you can be fully transparent about any sin in your life to know the same thing. They're going to share theirs with you. You're going to share with them and you're going to push each other to be a better man and a better Christian. And when you have those real authentic relationships, it's when you're sharing all that stuff. And so then I share those things with my kids. I want my kids to know when I mess up. I mean, I think it's important that they see me take accountability when I didn't do something the way I wish I had. And so I was trying to show up for the kids anyway, but but now with Hallie gone, even more so, because I think it's so important. I tell every dad that I meet, first and foremost, if, you have, if you're a girl dad, got to hear this, your girl is going to learn how to be loved by a man the way you treat your daughter. That's your job, because otherwise she's going to look for it somewhere else. She's going to look for it in another guy. And if he's not a good dude and he doesn't put her first and he doesn't care about her, well, she doesn't know that because you didn't teach her. And so that's my job. First and foremost, with Lexi, with Summer, I was trying to get there with Hallie. But, you know, as a, as a bonus dad and she was already 18, when we met, it's hard to do. But you want to show up and show them what good is supposed to look like. You're supposed to, you want to show up and, and take them on the daddy-daughter date, right? You know, you may not want to get a pedicure. I like them, so it's okay, right? <laughs> but but you may not want to get a pet here. They do. That's what you do. They may want to go shopping. That's what you do. Now, if you like to go to the ball game and they like to go with you, great. But it's not your job as the dad for your kid to want to tag along with you. You're the dad. So you have to want to tag along with them no matter what they do. That's the tea party or it's going to the daddy-daughter dance or whatever that looks like because they're going to model in their future relationships what you've taught them. And if you haven't taught them, the first yahoo that comes along that shows them some attention and some affection, that's what they're going to be attracted to. And then they're not going to know how to get out of it because you can't build a relationship with them then. You showed up too late. So you're the dad and your opportunity with these girls is so critical. And I just push that with everybody. Same thing, though, with boys, right? And there's more. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say a lot of the ways that you love me also sets the example, right? So Eric is, you know, he brings fresh flowers home. There's, you know, he does all the laundry. He's usually in control of the dishwasher. Well, that's just because I do it right. But. Yeah, well, we'll, <laughs> we'll leave that to another topic. 
I'm happy to rehash that later when I feel more feisty. um, You know, if I cook, Eric does, you know, he's cleaning up. Like, just your actions also set the example for the kids to go, okay, that's what I'm looking for. And they may not even realize it when they're young, right? But they see it. They see how you show up. They see how you love me. And that sets such a great example for them. Well, I appreciate that. And that was kind of where I was going next is like, you, you got to show up for your sons too. And the research is really clear. When boys become teenagers, they want that connection with their father. I'm sorry, moms. I know you grew them in their, in your belly. I know. And you want that from your little boy, but they, they want a relationship, especially as a teenager from their dad. And so the same thing, like take them to the game, ride bikes, whatever it is that they want to do, you do those things. But that critical part I really think is what you just said about showing boys and girls how you should be a partner in a relationship because they're going to model that, right? If you if you don't do anything for your wife ever, they're not going to do their anything for their so wives. Low. The bar the, is going to be low. It, it's just one of those things where you're showing them and you're teaching. And I have lots of conversations with all the kids, but I have a lot more of them with the boys about, hey, this is how you, you're going to treat this situation. And this is why you're going to do it this way. Because when you get to be a man and you're in a job scenario or you're in a relationship or you have a child of your own, this is why you do it like this. This is why we're doing it like this. This is why how I want you to show up for your sisters. Because you're going to treat your sisters with the same kind of respect that you're going to treat your mom with and the same kind of respect that you're going to treat a woman with someday. And the girls should see that, right? The, the daughter, your, your daughter should see that. Your, your, you should feel that from the boys, that they're treating you with a certain amount of respect. And, and that's what we want them to do when they do start dating. And some of them are, right? You know, I'll use Carter as an example. He messed up a month or so back by driving too fast with his girlfriend in the car. And they have Life360 on the phones. And the girlfriend's dad saw he was driving too fast and called her. Carter knew he messed up. Like, we were there when it happened. But I love this story because I just want to do a fist bump to the, to the dad. 100%. Like, I love that. He showed up that. for his daughter. He showed up for her. Like, oh, hell no. This... This is not going to go down that way. And I'm the same way. Like, if you're going to take I my daughter like that. I love that. Yeah. And it was great for Carter because he was embarrassed. You know, not, you know, kids don't think sometimes. And it was a great lesson for him, and he handled it so well. He we apologized. actually use it as an example for the rest of the kids on, a, on how to respond to something. You know, he apologized to the dad. He course corrected. And it was perfect. And then the dad gave him great yeah, kudos, great feedback. told us how proud he was of Carter for that. I mean, it was a great teaching moment for other kids, as you said, because Carter took the responsibility like we try to we you and like I both you try have to do modeled. That. Well, we, like, hey, I've messed up. Here's how I'm going to fix it. You've modeled that. And so now Carter's using the same behavior. And so that's that's something I did before Hallie passed. But it's really even more so now because I want to be so involved with these kids that they can't look back and think I didn't try, right? When they get into a tough situation or, you know, for as long as I'm alive, they'll be able to call me and I can help walk through a a problem or tough conversation because we've had so many tough conversations. They know I'm not going to judge them. They know I'm going to love them. Sometimes I'm going to pray with them, which makes the kids really uncomfortable. Yeah. But it is. That's where we're at. That's 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 number four. And then the last one, we've talked about it, but it's it's pray, pray, pray. And I prayed before this happened. I pray now more than ever. 
it feels like any time that I have free time, I'm praying. I was in the gym today. I was in the sauna. I was in the steam room. I just I didn't take my phone. I was just praying. And because I got a lot in my mind, I have time in a car. If I'm not on a work call, I'm praying. I find that I end up grieving Hallie a lot when I'm in the car by myself. And again, my prayers aren't perfect, but I, I ask God to be with Angie often and to just help with her pain and to give her peace that I know that she wants. I ask God to be with all of our kids in the different things that they're going through. I ask God to be with me and my struggles and any family that I know is going through pain and, and coworkers and all those things. I, I'm just continuously praying. I pray that God will help me to handle situations better because as we've already said, this is a, a transition. It's a work in progress. I know I don't get it right all the time. So then I, I do reflect back on those things and I pray about that with God and how I could have handled it differently, how I could have communicated it better. And so there's just a lot of prayer. And we just have, unfortunately, a lot of bad stuff right now. Friends with cancer, friends with kids with cancer, people that have been passing, just so many bad things that have been happening. And so all I can do is give that to God in prayer. And so I do think that that strengthens me. And so I bookend everything I say to dads and husbands today with, it starts with your Bible and it ends with prayer. And I'm 42 years old now. I wasn't always like that. So this is a journey. You walk it. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so that includes what I always say to you and the kids is that you got to give yourself some grace. I probably don't give myself enough grace. I'm kind of hard on myself sometimes. But if you're listening to this and you're like, I want to be that kind of man. I want to change. I want to show up for my wife and my kids. It's a journey. It's a several-year journey. But start. Pick up your Bible, and I recommend to people to start in the New Testament, all right? Read about Jesus is so much easier than going back to the Old Testament and reading about Noah Noah and the ark or Moses walking through the desert for 40 years. Those are hard things to read, all right? Start in the New Testament because Jesus gives hope, and then work your way through through that way because I need that hope every day, and our family needs that hope. And that's the other other reason why. I, th- I think it's so important to read your Bible and to pray as I book into all these things. But that's that's what I've got for you today, honey. You've been asking for it, and I tried to put some work in. I wanted to impress you. <laughs> I'm impressed. I did. As your husband, I still like to impress you. So No, I, I think all those are accurate top five things that you do consistently in a way that shows up for us and shows our kids how— behavior should be modeled. And I mean, they're only with us for a short time. It's true. I mean, you blink and they're adults. And so less than a year, the twins get their driver's permits. I know. And then, you know, when they turn 16, they're off and running and you just, you have, you have such a short time to make such a big impact on your kids that that's, that's your focus. How do we raise good Christian kids with a solid foundation because they are going to face struggles. That's why I tell the twins on their way to school, we have conversations around, you know, random stuff, but then also losing Hallie's created an opportunity to have even more like deeper conversations. And it's like, everyone's going to face some level of trauma, some level of heartbreak. Unfortunately for them, they're 14. But if you allow it, grief can be a gift. Like this can be a gift in a way that you learn how to handle the hardships. Unfortunately, it's young, but 
but you know what's important and what matters in life and how choices can impact your life. So it's hard lessons, but it also is an opportunity for us to strengthen our faith and and make sure that we're on the right path to see Hallie again. One last thing I just want to say to, to dads that think, oh, I might have messed this up with my kids. It was probably six years ago that I really started to dive in to try to be the best father I could be. So your kids can be 12, 13 years old, and you can start the process. Okay. You haven't made, you're not too late. And honestly, you, you, you can really start to have good conversations with them at, at 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. Well, so you learn, just do it. Like, you learn through the mistakes, right? Like that's yeah. the growth mindset. You don't learn when stuff's easy. You learn when it's hard. And if you're open, you have an open mindset to change your behavior, be able to look within and go, oh, I didn't do that right. If you can do that, you're going to be golden. But it's the dig your heels in. It's my way. I'm not adjusting. This is who I am. That does not add value to your kids. They've got to be able to see that you're you're willing to adjust and learn because that's what you want them to do, right? You want to be able to teach them and mold them. And just because you're a parent doesn't mean you're immune from learning and growing. Yeah. And you can change and you can, you can show up for your kids in a different way, no matter what that time looks like. And I do believe that. And so if if you, if your dad listen, if your husband listen, uh, feel free to reach out. I'd be happy to visit with you about it some more because it is such an important job that we have as, as men to to show up for our wives and to show up for our kids. And so, thank you for pushing me to do this episode. I love Great you very job. much. <laughs> <laughs> that is it for this week's episode of Blended, Blessed, and Always a Mess. We hope that you have a great week and God bless. Thank you for listening to Blended, Blessed, and Always a Mess. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and at blendedblessedalwaysamess.com. Reach out to us on any of our social channels. We would love to hear from you. Have a great week.